Welcome to The Mary Mack Show, where we will be talking about your feelings, experiences, and pain following the death of a loved one. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you find yourself in this entire world, I welcome you. So how are you, my friend? Did you get a chance to listen in to last week's episode where we spoke about dealing with fear and the unknown? In this difficult time in the world and within our own lives, fear can be pervasive especially since we don't know what is to come. This week, I thought I'd speak to you about all the uncomfortable changes and small griefs we are dealing with during this crisis. Now, those of you who are grieving the death of a loved one may be really angry that not only do you have to deal with all the emotions that come with surviving that person, but many have been told by their governments to shelter in place, quarantine themselves, even lock down. We now additionally need to handle the little grief surrounding our everyday life, and I can appreciate how unfair you think this is. You feel a double burden that many cannot appreciate. Yet in this episode, I like to focus in on those small griefs we are now encountering which affect the bereaved, as well as those who find themselves bereaved in a different way. The lifestyle they once knew is no longer available to them. We feel this grief together as a people. Our lives don't feel normal any longer. How we connected before has now changed. We feel a sense of isolation and loneliness. No one knows the length of this crisis or the financial impact it will have on each of us and our countries. At this point, some citizens of Asia and Europe have been dealing with the coronavirus crisis longer than those in the United States and North America. And those in the East already have survived the deaths of many of their relatives and friends which they now grieve for. In the United States at this time, we have not yet seen the predicted large amounts of death that we've heard about overseas 
as we just recently have been told to shelter in place. For many, we are dealing with the isolation and different way of life that this brings. We deal with small griefs surrounding many aspects of daily life, which can be difficult since we have never had to do this before. For some of us, we have never had to deal with adversity of any kind, let alone something of this magnitude. Children and teens, and even young adults, are unaware how to handle a new schedule or routine. Not attending school or having the ability to see their friends, having to spend every moment of the day with their parents and siblings. They realize they have no freedom right now, and this is difficult to accept. Teens and college students may have to accept that their proms or formals, as well as graduations, are being canceled at this time. Individuals who were searching online for the love of their life may have this time to connect online to get to know each other, but be frustrated that a face-to-face -face meeting may not happen for several months. For singles whose life was filled with friends and parties and work, they might find themselves isolated in an apartment far from their families, learning to fend for themselves dealing with loneliness and boredom, especially if their jobs have been furloughed or they've been let go altogether. Chances are, they have never lived through such an uncertain time, or had ever lost their job before. They are now learning how to handle all these changes, and are searching for wisdom. For couples without children, you might want to help those with children, your friends and family, but you can't break quarantine. You have more time with your spouse than you ever had before, and it's all strange. Perhaps this time helps you to learn more about each other, which can be scary or magnificent. And for parents, many are juggling caring for children in their homes 24-7, while still trying to be online with colleagues and producing your normal workload. Each family is trying to figure out the best way to give each parent the time they need to work while making sure children are fed, entertained, homeschooled, cleansed, and given attention they need to make them feel secure during this uncertain time. And also they wonder when they might have some personal private time together, or even alone, in such a full home. Maybe you were planning on getting pregnant and decided perhaps this is not the time and you're terribly disappointed. Maybe you are pregnant and anxious that you'll be able to deliver in a hospital and are unsure how this virus might affect you and the baby. Maybe you've planned your wedding and you've had to postpone it. You had put so much time and energy and money into your big day and honeymoon, and now all that is lost, and you're not sure when you can recreate that wonderful day surrounded by all you love. There are so many small griefs we are dealing with at this time. We want to believe the situation is temporary, but we truly aren't sure how long this will last and what all the ramifications of it will be. 
Will our world change in a more permanent way after the virus dissipates? As we spoke about last week in addressing the unknown, the way our lives will be a few months or years from now can be quite different than what it looks like today, and we silently grieve that. We wonder if we will wind up changing things in our own lives because they wind up being better for us. Maybe you realize either you or your spouse is better off decreasing your stress levels by possibly staying home with the children because that particular salary was only going to daycare anyway. And perhaps this crisis helps a family to see that you might be able to have a better, calmer life when one member brings in an income and the other focuses on the children and home. This was the way it was in the 1950s. That's how families operated. Then came the woman's movement, which made us believe it wasn't appropriate for a woman to want to raise her family and take care of her husband. And ever since, women who prefer that life are made to feel guilty. And no doubt, there are many women who have gone on to break or tap that glass ceiling. They created their own companies and feel more empowered, and I'm certainly glad for that. But a crisis like this makes us take a closer look at our lives, especially when children are involved. With all the chaos at home, trying to manage everything, and while two people are trying to work full-time jobs from home for this income, there is this little grief that says, how long can I do this? How long can I keep this up? And is it really worth it? To my sanity, can we do this better? Buying less things, cooking more, less restaurants, less takeout and fast food, more regular time together when this is all done. Another small grief is the loss of mobility, being able to move about in the way we once did, going to a full office of people where we could socialize and talk over coffee and just be around other people, going to meetings we once hated and thought were a complete waste of time. And they were. <laughs> but now we miss them. So now we sit at a table or a desk at home and have virtual meetings online with our colleagues. We are very fortunate to have this technology, actually. We see how they live, how they decorate their space, how they look on camera. It's all so strange. For some, it is the only interaction we might have all day. We try to put on a brave face, but we are grieving. Taking a vacation we had planned for months, maybe even saved for, for years, and all that time and effort and planning, all down the drain. And we hope someday we can still do that, experience that. Going to restaurants with friends and having a few drinks. Meeting for coffee and brunch on weekends. Taking a ride to visit relatives. We might have dreaded those visits before, but now we have a different perspective, don't we? Now that we can't go, we feel we want to. 
small griefs every day for the life we once had, and we wonder when we can have that back. We grieve for the situation we have set up for ourselves and our family. The daycare or babysitter who handled the children is no longer available since they are taking care of their own children and families. The prepared or take-out meals we picked up or had delivered never gave it a second thought. Now we need to take the time to learn to cook or develop meal plans, especially if cooking was not something you did or wanted to do. It took too much time. Then there were the dishes and the pots and setting and clearing the table. You might be angry that you now have this additional chore, another small grief. And what about the laundry? Some need to drive to a laundromat, especially in large cities, just to have clean clothes. What about the ability to go to the cemetery to visit our loved ones? The ache in our heart can be overwhelming. And what about attending church? That camaraderie, that fellowship, is no longer there. Yes, we can watch our church services online, but it's just not the same. All these little griefs we are feeling are perfectly natural and normal. Life has changed, and we are changing with it. We are making decisions on what is best for us now, and we should not feel guilty about that. We may find that we are starting to look at life in a different way. Things that were important in life no longer are. Small things delight us. A pet video, a funny joke, a lighthearted photo on social media. We are realizing that keeping up with celebrities or makeup or clothing doesn't mean much to us any longer. Our life is more important than worrying or following their lives. We start to see how much time we have wasted when we could be creating our own great life filled with skills and talents we love. What might you share with the entire world? And if our friends can't see that as important and more worthy of our time, well, perhaps we need a new set of friends. Maybe that's what's on the horizon. Those who have experienced the death of a loved one will tell you that often former friends fade away when they are grieving and new people step into their place and it's actually very much welcomed. Now, at times during this crisis, you might find yourself going down what I call the rabbit hole, where the fear and overwhelm and unknown start to creep into your mind. That dark place where we envision and anticipate the worst that can happen. All these negative images swim around in our head. Will I get sick? Will someone I love get sick? What if I have to say goodbye to them over the phone? What if I can't visit them in the hospital or nursing home? What if they die? What if we can't have a funeral? What if 
this goes on for months. How will I survive? When we have these dark thoughts, we need to remind ourselves that projecting into the future something that may not happen is only signaling to the universe that we expect those things to happen. And the last thing we want to do is that. Without our even knowing it, what we see in our mind's eye, talk about, and believe will come to us. And so it is imperative that we keep positive and happy thoughts going. Thoughts of how everything will work out for us as we move forward through this time. That we will have people there who will help us get through any rough time ahead. That we will be strong and endure any hardship that may arise. That we are allowed to be vulnerable and ask for help as well as share our fear. That we can make it through this time and know others before us did so, and so can we. We can show extra compassion now, especially if family, friends, and business colleagues need more of your time than normal. And you might be dealing with anxiety and panic fear, and insecurity. So if this is the first time you're listening to me, I have spoken about the emotional freedom technique in previous episodes. Also known as EFT, or tapping, we touch our hand, head, face, collarbone, and side along our meridian lines of our body to produce a calmness and release of unhelpful emotions and pain, which cause us to be overwhelmed. We use EFT for basically everything we might be going through when we feel powerless. And now we will wash our hands before every round of tapping. And the beauty of this technique is that it doesn't cost a penny to learn and is an amazing substitute for drugs, legal or illegal, alcohol, or other mind-altering substances which only mask our pain, yet don't eliminate it. I will leave the link to my favorite EFT practitioner, Brad Yates, in the show notes so you can learn how to tap and then follow his videos on hundreds of emotions you may feel at any given time. He is also doing live sessions during this crisis on his YouTube channel, which you might find helpful as well. If you are alone or lonely, there are many social groups online which you can join to speak with new people who might have your same interests. Use your time wisely. Don't flitter it away. I've seen even executives on LinkedIn complain how bored they are. Really? With so much going on online, we can use our ingenuity to find videos to teach us that hobby we always said we wanted to learn. Pick up a new skill. Watch people online doing something you love to do. Write a comment. Maybe even create videos on something you're skilled at. 
Do you have books in your home that you've never touched, but actually told yourself you would get to read? What about all the photos you said you'd organize? Can you clear the clutter from your home? Can you go through things and decide you no longer need all that stuff you thought was important for you to have? Are there unfinished projects around the home which you now have time to tackle? Now might just be that time. And what kind of exercise routine might you try now? Nothing too strenuous. Something to move your body. Just a walk around the block if that's possible now, given where you live. Right now, we are able to do that where I am in Florida a few times a week just to get some air, and it's very helpful, and we look forward to it. Maybe find that fun music you love, get on Skype with your friends, and all have a dance party online. How much fun would that be? Now, some of you might be wondering why I call them small griefs. Well, once you've experienced the death of a loved one, everything that can be changed or fixed is considered a small grief. Once someone you loved has died, that is obviously not fixable. It's permanent, final, and learning to build a new life without that person takes time. But reorganizing our schedules, whom we can spend time with, changing a wedding date, are all fixable. Learning a new skill, researching new jobs, all fixable. Taking online classes to gain a certificate we never had time for in the past is all fixable. Would college classes be helpful for your career? All fixable. In the grand scheme of things, when we think about the changes we are needing to make right now versus someone we love dying, a relative or friend's death, we can use this time to reevaluate what is important and what is not. We all have a choice. We all get to choose how we will react. We can convince ourselves that life as we know it is now all over. Or we can look at this as somewhat of a mini-adventure. Did she just say that? Oh yeah, I did. It's different. It's new. It's a challenge we can overcome. With family and friends who love us, we can have hope for a good outcome regardless of the struggles we may encounter. We can get a different job, a different home, a new city to live in if we need to, but we can never replace those we love. And our health now is more important than we ever considered it to be. And if we are longing for new friends, decide to make them. Reach out and ask for help. Go to my website, marymac.info, click on the tab for Crisis Connections at the top, and reach out to counselors around the world who will listen. Reconnect with old friends by telephone. 
old classmates, teammates, people you attended church or synagogue with. Could you find seven friends and make a pact that you will have a half-hour phone conversation for each day of the week with one of them? You would speak with David on Sunday at 8 p.m. and Bob on Monday at 9 p.m. and find other friends for the rest of the days of the week. Decide on the times together. Try to spend just a few minutes on the news, but then share memories of fun times you spent together and things you're learning and exploring now. This will keep you in contact with someone each day, and you'll have something to look forward to. Also, set up a personal schedule for your days and evenings. If you have something planned, if you've built a new routine, you won't have time to think of negative thoughts. And if you haven't already done so, listen to my episode one and my episode last week where I talk about the benefits of using a gratitude journal to remember all the wonderful things and people you do have in your life. Every little thing. So now, it's time to get up, enjoy the music, and dance, dance, dance. We want to move our bodies and feel good. And if you think this is stupid, oh well, get up anyway. Thank you for joining me today. Remember to write five things you're grateful for in your journal each night before bed. Keep your focus on the positive in your life. Use EFT when you feel sad, anxious, or overwhelmed. And share this podcast with anyone you feel it would benefit. Rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you found me. Mostly, I encourage you to be happy, regardless what is happening in our world right now, because you deserve to. I'll speak to you again soon. <laughs>